My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script. I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it. I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot. I even got a famous classic case of writer's block. Get it out of my head. Get it out of my head. Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining joining me today are three incredible creatives. We have Clarissa Kern, Mara Shantz, and Michelle Flowers. Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, I was lucky enough to have these three really uh, talented ladies in my first draft screenplay class, and they all turned out to have sort of these these interesting jobs that were leading to all kinds of opportunities. I mean, you're right there. It's really exciting time for all of you. So I thought that it would be great to have you on the show to talk about that so that people can think about when they come to LA, what they might do and the, and the paths that it, it might take them down. Absolutely. So just to sort of give everybody's bio, and I hope I don't, I don't screw all this stuff up, but Clarissa Kern, let's start with you. Okay. Clarissa has been um, a devoted writer since the age of 14. Um, so that was about three years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> Clarissa, Clarissa began her career as an assistant to esteemed filmmaker and international activist, Dream Hampton. Since then, she's moved on to form strategic partnerships with companies such as Shinola Detroit, the Detroit Institute of Music Education, Rock Nation, Revolve Impact, and many others. Her most recent work that she was a part of was a six-part docu-series titled Surviving R. Kelly. You've probably heard about it. (laughs) It has been considered Lifetime Network's highest rated show in over two years and continues to make headlines. Um, And there are other things ahead for Clarissa, and we will talk about that. Thank you. For Mara, uh, Mara uh, is currently Yara Shahidi's creative producing partner. You probably know Yara Shahidi from Blackish and from Grownish. Mara formerly served as the creative director and producer of former LA-based lifestyle group The Black Sheep TV, founded by actor I'm going to say it wrong. Kofi Saraba. Thank you. <laughs> Which garnered over seven, 7 million plus channel views. Um, today, Mara can be found in the city of LA, creating for herself and others as creative producer and consultant. And things are on the horizon for Mara as well. Are we also allowed to uh, mention your, your Disney background? Uh, yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, you can mention my acting background. That's okay. I started in the industry as a child actress. On Ant Farm, right? Yeah, that was one of my first role. I, I'd done commercials, but that was my first TV role, yes. Excellent, Farm. excellent. Wait till I go home and impress my daughters. <laughs> um, and we also have Michelle Flowers here. And Michelle is an aspiring TV writer and actress currently working as assistant to Ramla Muhammad, who has an overall deal at ABC. Through that overall uh, Ramla is working as a co-EP on Little, Fire, Little Fires Everywhere for Hulu, which will debut early next year. That is a book adaptation. Prior to working for Ramla, Michelle was a writer's PA on Scandal. And prior to that, she was an assistant on a feature lit desk at Gersh Agency. 
Oh my gosh. Ding, ding, ding. You guys have been working your butts off for really, really cool people in all kinds of projects. I want to start with coming to LA to begin with, because I know, I know, uh, Clarissa and Michelle, you guys sort of have this like, oh, and now I'm here. (laughs) Um, Mara, I didn't get a chance to ask you, were you from here or did you also? No, I moved to LA actually by myself at 13. I moved in with my manager at the time. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay, And moved from where? I moved from Chicago to, yeah, LA about 11, 11, almost 12 years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And um, was that because you just had these dreams of being an actor and they were like, come to LA? I I did a summer camp called Young Performers Management with a manager named Donna Jean Goheen, who's still a great friend. And um, she had me do the camp. We had a showcase and I actually was offered a contract with diverse talent at that time. And for me to actually start auditioning and things, I had to be in L.A. My parents couldn't move, and she opened her home to me. And I started homeschooling. And so I've been in the industry really my entire life. Wow. Oh, my gosh. There's Start writing that book. Are you writing that book? I, everyone's asking. I think I have, I have a few more milestones I want to hit before I... Oh, yeah. It has to be included in the book, but I do have some outlines <laughs> Okay. Ready. All right. So, so Mara's book, part one, will be out eventually. Eventually. Um, and uh, Michelle, what about... What about you? When when did you come out here? So I grew up like an hour outside of uh, L.A. in the suburbs, San Clarita Valley. Um, and I moved away to go to college in New York. And I stayed in New York for a couple years after school just working. And I actually was... Um, I started working in entertainment there because I was a page on The Late Show with David Letterman. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was with him for his last year, um, which was an incredible experience. And... But after his show ended, I just I really had a hard time finding consistent um, work and entertainment, and so it kind of felt like the natural fit to move back home. And it was a little bit of starting over. I definitely started from scratch. I like did the whole move in with my parents, very humbling kind of because uh, I had racked up quite a bit of debt in uh, New York City, very expensive city to live in, and so I kind of just started over my mom had one contact at warner brothers a recruiter and when i met with him i like took an informational interview and he was like you don't know anyone you have no contacts you have like some uh experience in entertainment but like for you i would really suggest working at a talent agency and i was really uh loath to do it because i had interned back when i was in community college because i actually went to community college out here in la um I had done an internship at ICM and it was very like very fast paced and I had kind of gotten the impression that I just never wanted to be an agent like I'm an aspiring performer and writer and I'm very much on the creative side of things and when I interned at ICM it just it didn't seem like it was a place for me so I I really really didn't want to do it but it was pretty much everyone was telling me like it's a great idea because you'll meet a lot of people and you'll kind of it's kind of a crash course in learning about the industry because you learn all the major players, you learn about, you know, all the different production companies, who works at the production companies, you learn about the showrunners, the different shows, and, you know, agencies are kind of the hub of information in Hollywood. They kind of have every contact. They're like the ultimate phone book. And so um, I was very lucky uh, to work for someone who was so great to me and a great mentor. Um, after the mailroom, I went on a feature literary desk 
which basically means that I was assisting somebody who was an agent for writers and directors. And so that's when I started really doing a lot of script coverage, reading a lot of scripts, and uh, started thinking for the first time, like, because prior to that I had uh, focused mainly on acting. That was the first time I had kind of really been like, what if I tried writing? And um, I had written a little bit in college. I was on my college's sketch comedy troupe. So that was kind of the most writing I had ever done. But the more that I started to learn about the industry from from that side of things and the more that I met his clients like started to meet writers and talk to them about what their jobs are and especially television writers they would be like oh my job is to sit in a room all day and talk to people all day and uh, together we break story and we figure out you know how to how to create television I thought like that's something that I could see myself doing there you go there you go so you never know where inspiration will will strike totally Clarissa what brought you out So I actually ended up in L.A. because I was on vacation. Um, I was living in New Orleans at the time. I had just relocated to New Orleans from Detroit. And I had a kind of very boring desk job. I was uh, doing uh, payroll (laughs) for a construction company. And I decided to take a little bit of a break. And I came out to L.A. And while I was here, uh, Dream, who I had worked with for I want to say maybe five years prior to that, she gave me a call and was like, hey, you know, I have this amazing opportunity. I would love to have you come over, come over for breakfast, and we'll talk about it. And when I sat down at the table with her, she told me about the, you know, about the show, about R. Kelly, basically. And um, it was was during that conversation that we made the decision that I was just going to stay. You know, I had come out, and I had a Southwest ticket, and they're really flexible about canceling return flights. So (laughs) Um, that was, I want to say, February. Of 2018, and I've been here since then. What did you work with her on before that? So prior to that, I worked as her personal assistant and as her executive assistant. So we had worked together on a, well, I was helping her manage like her Kickstarter campaign when she did her film for uh, Treasure, which is a really, it's a beautiful story, but it's also kind of a tragic story about a trans woman in Detroit um, who was found murdered um, after she was outed by the police as a, you know, as a trans woman and was used illegally as an informant. Um, and uh, yeah, basically that, like helping her with flights and honorarium, scheduling, all that beautiful, wonderful assistant stuff. So all that stuff that drives you crazy. <laughs> I'm say, all all those, the beautiful things. All the okay. beautiful, you know, you know nuances that make I love people that. we're saying positive yeah yeah and you're saying <laughs> <they're hollering laughs> experience. I, yeah I got, I got a degree for this what right okay so so all right but then she says i've got this interesting project come to la or stay in la stay in la stay in la and you did and people should know you started again sort of as in an assistant capacity absolutely but you were made a pro- producer, an associate producer, within a couple of weeks. Within a couple of weeks, yeah. So basically, we the show was produced by Buna Murray, mm-hmm. and Buna Murray has this very um, strict policy as far as like who they allow, um, who they allow on the grounds, just because of the fact of the you know the confidentiality of the shows. They produce like a lot of major television shows, and um, I came in as Dream's assistant, and then she realized, okay, well, I'm going to need an assistant as showrunner. So I became an official employee of Buna Murray. And then while I was there, she made it very clear that she wanted for us to begin, like for everyone on the team to read any literature um, that was associated with R. Kelly. So like there was a story, for example, by Katie Jones. Uh, It's called I Was Somebody Before This, uh, that 
like outlines, you know, her story um, in the relationship that she had with R. Kelly. And then we came across a book uh, by this gentleman by the name of Demetrius Smith. He is, uh, he was R. Kelly's former assistant. And I think he worked with him for like 12 or somewhere between 12 and 14 years. And when I found that book, I brought it to the table and I was like, listen, we need to read this book because this is R. Kelly's assistant. He's going to be somebody who's going to be able to tell us what was happening in this man's life. And I went in and read the book and it was just a wealth of information. There were names in there. There were dates. There were, it was a timeline, which is, of course, what our whole story was about was like, you know, tracking the timeline of who R. Kelly is as an artist, as a man. Um, and so, yeah, once I presented that information, some of the EPs that were on the project were like, listen, you, you should be a producer. This is production work. This is not just assistant work. And so they took it up the line. And, um, yeah, the line producer spoke with the powers that be. And I got my promotion. Congratulations. Thank That's, you. So I think that, I, again, it's so inspires, inspiring. Like, you were just doing your job really well. Right. And then that's how you get promoted. Yeah. Now, now, Mara, you are currently uh, a creative producing partner, but you're also talking about possibly being promoted yeah, yourself, right? Moving up. I mean, I guess I went from acting and then I went to college actually outside of Atlanta. I mean, I went to college in Atlanta. Um, and during that time, I actually got my first producer credit with BET. I was in school and they had a show, a digital series called What's at Stake? Um, which actually just spoke about millennial issues. It was when Mike Brown was indicted, or, well, the uh, murder was released or indicted. What am I trying to say? He was not indicted over the crime, actually. Um, and so I actually started just kind of creating content for them on campus, and they asked me to produce some segments for What's at Stake. And then that kind of related into me actually becoming a showrunner's assistant um, for Mara Brockakill when I moved back to L.A. in 2017. Um, and then kind of with my work with Yara, I've just kind of started really started just bringing her creative ideas. I'm like, oh, this aligns with your brand. I know her. She kind of become like a little sister to me. And so, and I would see different things or opportunities, books that I would be like, oh, this would be a really cool project or why don't we try this? And um, so we're in talks for a a really cool um, executive position Mm -hmm. um, where I would be doing a lot of creative work and bringing potential projects to be adapted, um, digital series, just all types of content that really fit within the brand as she kind of steps out on her own and becomes a businesswoman. Um, right now, she is, you know, the lead of Grownish, but I think in the coming year, we'll be seeing a lot more from her in a leading um, production role as well. So, so tell me, for, for people who do come out here and they're like, okay, so I've got my first job, right? Now, you guys all landed your first job and then grew it into a cool second job or as is the case right now like okay maybe it's a whole career right production yeah. career um and you're all writers so who knows where all the that's gonna lead right so how some some advice to people and it can it can use your own experiences as to how to take it that step farther we've already talked about doing your job really well right but what else should people be looking around for how should they be proactive how can they sort of turn what they're doing into something even more creative than they were hired for i believe the first step is trusting your voice um i think a lot of times people come into rooms and you do just what is assigned of you um i recall being when i was a showrunner's assistant my job necessarily wasn't to review casting selects, but I just enjoyed getting to see that process. So every day when the casting director would send like selects for my showrunner to look at, 
I would just look at them. And sometimes it would be ones that she wouldn't mark. And I would happen to go to my showrunner. I'm like, hey, so I know that those are not so sweet I'm looking at, but saw a few people that I think are really great. Do you think you could take a look at them? And I've had the opportunity to actually bring in people for producer sessions just off the strength of me speaking up and trusting my voice and my intuition. And I think knowing that you always have something to contribute, um, whether it be if you're young, hey, I don't really, if you this were working on things for a young adult, I don't really think my generation would like this. Oh, or, that's a, that is know, important like, for people to know. To say these things in these rooms, I've worked at different places in which I usually am the target for the content. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually the youngest person there. And I'm like, mm, I'm telling you, that, that doesn't work. Yeah, actually, you, you used on fleek wrong. Like you just <laughs> so like making, sure, making sure that you're confident in your own experience. Um, and I think once you start doing that and opening your mouth, people see you as an invaluable asset. There is something that they're contributing outside of what's outlined on this job description. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has what has really propelled me in my career has just been like, I have other things I do besides this. Oh, I see that we're working on a lookbook. I already do graphic work kind of as a side thing. I would love to take a stab at that. It releases releases people sometimes of their roles, but it also brings in things that they may not have thought about previously. And like I said, making you just an invaluable asset to the production. Now, Michelle, um, you uh, were at Gersh, right? Mm -hmm. And then you went on to work for... Well, let's see. Sorry, I'm, I'm working backwards. Oh, no, that's okay. You're on, scandal. I was on scandal. Yeah. You're on scandal, and now you're, you're working for Ramla. So, um, how did you get to be a writer's PA on scandal? So, now you, you were like, I'm at Gersh. I, I'm sort of digging this writer's thing that might be the, the route I want to go. So, you know, people go, oh, PA. No, no, no. A writer's PA is hard to get. It's hard to get Very. on a major show like Scandal. Totally. So, did working at Gersh help you get to that place? To some extent, I definitely think it's a lot of what Mar was talking about, which is just like taking that initiative. Um, I wish I had known that I wanted to write TV when I entered Gersh, because then I would have put myself on a TV lit desk. But I, as it stood, I was on a feature lit desk, and my boss was super supportive of me, but he was like, you know, I don't really have those contacts. Like, I have contacts, you know, for you to become a CE, like a creative executive at a production company. He was like, I have all the the contacts for you for production companies. And I did start to interview slowly for production companies, but I think a lot of it also was just finally saying what I wanted to do. Because I think often people are so pressed to uh, for the job that they're trying to get. You know, obviously when you're interviewing, it's a very nerve wracking thing and you just, you want that next job. And especially if you're feeling desperate to leave the job that you're at. Um, but I, I, when I started to be honest about what I really wanted and I started to be like, I want to be a writer. Like I'm trying to be a writer. And I had, you know, a couple interviews be like, you know, that's really not what this role is. Um, we'll keep you in mind, you know, if we can reach out to you in that capacity. But once I started getting those no's of just like, this isn't the job for you, this isn't the job for you, it forced me to take initiative to be like, okay, I'm really gonna hone in on the thing that I wanna do. And so I actually started just cold emailing showrunners assistants and just being like, I'll buy you coffee, I'll buy you breakfast, I just wanna pick your brain. Um, And I actually got very lucky, one of my friends at Gersh, um, Chad King, he actually went on to work at Shondaland and he was becoming close with the showrunner's assistant at Scandal. Um, her name is Tara. She's the best. And she, I bought her breakfast one morning 
talked to her for a little bit. And then months went by. I hadn't heard from her. She invited me to some networking thing and I, I showed up, but she was in charge of it. And so she was running around the entire time. We barely got to speak. So I really only met her like the two times and months and months and months went by of me not hearing from her. And then one day she randomly left me a voice note on my phone saying, you know, we have an opportunity for you. Uh, the writer's PA just quit on scandal. And so I think it would be perfect for you. And I think it was a lesson to me that just, cause you know, at that point when she had reached out to me, I'd, I'd been kind of, you know, losing hope a little bit on, um, my, on my breakfast and my coffees, you know, I had been networking for a really long time and nothing was coming to fruition. And so it really did like, I'll never forget that feeling and I'll never forget it again of just like, even when you feel like everything is for nothing, you know, just keep putting in the work and just keep meeting people because you never know one day some contact might call you out of the blue. And, um, she actually asked me, she was like, you know, there's an opportunity here for you. Um, so if you could shoot me your resume and your pilot, that would be great. And I was like, great. Um, I will send you my resume ASAP. I actually just received a set of notes on my pilot. So can I get that to you first thing in the morning? Oh, and she I was love like, that. yeah. I, I just received a set of notes yeah. on it. That's a Completely good not BS true. I literally oh did not have God. a pilot written at all. I pulled a college all nighter and just pulled a pilot completely out of my You wrote a, a pilot overnight? Well, just because I was forced to. <laughs> that is awesome. I love this yeah. story. I mean, yes. it can't yeah. be very, it definitely wasn't very good, but I think they really just wanted proof that, like, People who were working there wanted to be writers. That's great. Yeah. Because Which if you great. said no, they would have gone like, oh, we really need to give it uh, that opportunity to somebody who exactly. is on a course because they look to that person as the next writer's assistant, look to the writer's assistant as the next staffing person, yeah, exactly. and so on. That is great. That is great. Okay, so, uh, you know, as people who are also sort of have or are assisting showrunners, okay, mm-hmm. and you're, you're sort of you know, you have to help them with the practicalities, but you're also learning and watching. What What is a way that you learn and watch? Like, what do you keep your eye on? Um, how do you, like, what do you keep and what do you lose when it comes to assisting a big shot? I mean, I think that for me, uh, especially being in an environment such as Bina Murray, which is one that, you know, kind of encourages um, learning across the board. Like they have, you know, and mind you, Buna Murray has a structure where they have, they're, they're kind of compartmentalized, but everyone works together for the common goal. So like there's the editing department, there are the, you know, different departments for the development of shows, there are the different departments where people are actually, you know, doing the production and the writing and then, you know, the finance department and so on and so forth. Um, but one thing that's really great is that within each show, everyone is really focused on collaboration and learning opportunities amongst the people that are there. Like, And also, um, it seems to me that they're kind of, um, they're good about promotion also. So, for example, there are people that started off on our show as editors. Like, the, the, the whole thing they were supposed to be doing was editing. Um, they eventually uh, were promoted into different uh, positions, like, of story editing, and they ended up being in the writer's room because... Like, the R. Kelly show was one that was a live story. So it was not... I wouldn't say that it's like a traditional situation, like where there was pre-production, post-production, well, pre-production, production, and then post-production. Everybody that was on that team had to be on their toes and be aware of everything that was happening happening around them at all times. Because we walked in with, um, like, Dream. 
when we first came in, we like I think she said it a couple times too. Her whole thing with this show was that she wanted it to be kind of like Sea World. She wanted for people to see R. Kelly and say, "We'll never buy his music. We'll never, you know, we'll never go to another one of his concerts. We'll never support him ever again." And when we started out, you know, it was really about okay team I need for you all to gather information so that we can figure out how we can you know point out the type of person that he is and you know highlight his crimes and then we have the situation come up with the savages and you know this this these things that are going on with their daughters and they go on TMZ and all these different things are happening and you know I think that the showrunner needed for everybody to not only pay attention to the writing of the work, but also, like I said, be aware of what was happening around them. How are we going to change every episode? Because now R. Kelly is, you know, doing press junkets, and now he has admitted, um, he's, well, I said admit, but <laughs> he's created this song now, basically trying to get ahead of our program and say, everything that you put out on this show, um, you know, you shouldn't listen to it. This is the song that's the real confession. The show won't actually be anything that, you know, reveals anything to you so I wanted I guess it was just about being aware like so the showrunner's very big picture it yeah. sounds like like she understands that she came in with one point of view but it's it's changing yeah right and she's just like okay this is this is a big project like she has she seems to have a very good sense of of almost the future, like, and this could go here, yeah. right? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's really. Interesting. I agree with that. I think to an extent, um, working, I worked on the show Love Is, um, which was at OWN, and for me, as far as how I learned, I really, really watched. As you said, a showrunner's role is very big picture, mm-hmm. and although you are running the show, it's really about how you assemble a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the one thing I learned the most is that. Yes, you are, I guess, the the head honcho, but it is finding the best people at the best of their game to bring this vision together. And our thing was like, the idea was hers, but there were so many people that had to bring this. So we have the art department and we have our, you know, our wardrobe and costume and all of these people who are at the top of their game as well and making sure you're assembling an impenetrable team. Um, I think that was the one thing I really learned is you are ruling but you have to have people who also can handle their entire teams Mm -hmm. and um i think really kind of paying attention to how she put all of the pieces of the puzzle together with a lot of intention and knowing that i can leave them i can i can articulate my vision and i can leave them and trust that it's going to be brought to fruition because they are the best at what they do. And I can't oversee that, mm-hmm. but I can manage how I hire. Right. Um, and I think that was one thing I really, really learned about a showrunner is that you really, especially as a showrunner assistant, you're a liaison across departments. You have to know everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know every person that we're interacting with, every person from literally from hiring our writers to you know, having our room, everything, all the way through post in which we have the music supervisor and sound coordinator, all of these different pieces, um, but that it really is just about assembling a good team. Interesting. Interesting. That's, um, so, so Michelle, now that you're working for Ramla with this overall deal at ABC, would you, would you say sort of agree as far as like, okay, this is what a showrunner does and what you're learning is, okay, how they think big picture, how they're assembling a team. Is there anything else that you want to add as far as what, how, how you can learn from them? 
Well, I would say actually, because, you know, as of right now, she's, Ram was not working in a showrunner capacity. Um, so I would say that what I'm learning from her right now, being somebody who's juggling several projects at one time, you know, because she does have her overall, but she's also writing a movie for Universal. She's, we're in production on a show right now under her overall, but she's also developing something for her overall. And um, somebody who's constantly taking meetings, having things brought to her. I would say the number one thing that I'm learning from her is that is, is actually um, very like writery. It's, it's, it's really based in her notes because she's somebody who's working on so many projects at once. And I feel like a, a huge thing I'm learning from her is not to, um, how do I put it? Like, when I, for, when I get a set of notes, I feel like I always want to tear everything out and then start from scratch. Like when I receive other people's notes, I kind of pick things apart to the point of starting over, which I think isn't really helpful, you know, to my cause. Nope. And so, uh, learning from her, somebody who's constantly receiving notes at all times from different networks and different people and different producers, she is like so flawless. I've never seen anything like this at somebody who will just be on a huge long notes call and she'll receive all these notes and then she'll put out a new draft that like perfectly addresses these notes, but she'll only change a couple small things. She'll change a couple small lines, a few tiny things. And somehow it addresses everything that they talked about. And so that's what I really want to learn is to, to take people's notes and not, you know, kind of redo everything to to learn how to just twist one line or change a couple words and have it move the story forward and have it you know because maybe it it was there the whole time they just weren't getting it so it's sort of like okay well i have to create more emphasis with this particular line or i have to make sure that this event is coming out because they think oh put in this event it's already there so if she's just turning up the dial on certain things it's like she has to sort of you know change her own, emphasize her own intention so that they see it. Totally. Um, so that actually brings me to story with your, all three of you are writers. I know that you're all very good writers. Um, so, uh, your, your overall sort of what you've learned about story in your adventures in Hollywood so far, what have you learned about story? How's it, (laughs) how's it changed? What are you, what are you focused on now? I have learned so much about story, but particularly, I guess kind of touches on your point, Michelle, just kind of about notes. Ultimately, everyone involved wants to see the project come to fruition, but you have to be flexible in that approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, you have, I actually recently met with the development executive about a project that I'm working on, actually one I was working on here in this class. And the first thing was like, hmm, so do they have to be set in LA? Does it have to be set here? And immediately, like you, I was like, well, now I'll just make, I'll just make a whole new show. And then I was like, wait, that like, I don't have to do that. The premise could say that, but just have to move location. Mm -hmm. And I was like taking that note and being flexible that ultimately you do have an overall vision, but you can, you can be flexible in the cause. Oh, okay. Changing their job. Is that person changing? Maybe this is just a little, it's a nuance. Um, and not, not just being married to everything and knowing usually when people are giving notes, as you mentioned, it's because maybe it's not understood. It's something that you understand. You assume everyone else should get, or it could be something that's cultural and you just haven't explained it to people. You haven't articulated it clearly. Um, that I think, you know, just opening yourself up to collaboration and story, s- sticking true to, I think, the essence 
is important and maybe your you know the message and why you're telling that story but just learning to be flexible in approach i've definitely learned not only from my previous employers but i'm also learning as a writer myself so yeah so you know and also that particular note of does it have to be set here often means a producer's wheels are spinning about how they can actually get it made so they're going well i i can't do it here, but I've got a deal in, you know, with a production company in Georgia, you know? So yeah. when they're saying things like this, it's not just to mess with your material. It's they're thinking creatively, how can they get it made? In addition, I think, um, without, I guess, talking too much about my own project, I think it being based in LA, was interesting because certain projects that I'd mentioned that it kind of was like a hybrid of, she's like, well, that is based in LA. Um, so how many, I mean, how many shows do you want like this? If we're trying to make it, I think it's all about positioning. And how can a lot of times people focus on how they can be best as opposed to different? And mm-hmm. I think that that is so important in this landscape. It's like, what is different? Everything is, we're in New York, you're in LA, you're, you know, and even when you have LA shows, it's like, oh, of course it has an entertainment angle. And, right. you know, so figuring out ways that you can differentiate um, by still sticking true, as you were saying, she really was like, I think this is a great concept. I think you could sell it if you change these few things. Right. And as somebody who's trying to sell a show, I'm like, well, it would make it would behoove me not to change these few elements if that would get the project made. Sure, sure, so. that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, still talking about story and what what you've you know how has your idea about story evolved or you know what's exciting you about story based on what you've learned over in your in your careers in LA so far. I don't know. I think that for me, because everything that I've written up to this point has always been from a perspective of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written short stories. I've written, you know, a lot of poetry, all of these things that have always been a direct reflection of what it is that's happening in my life in that moment. And I think that what has happened now is that I'm now able to remove myself from a story um, and I guess like be more centered in the development of the individual characters opposed to being uh, married to what a particular story means to me. And that was something that I really had to learn um, because everything I take writing so personally you know, because I've done it my whole life and it feels like an extension of me. And I feel most comfortable speaking about things that are an extension of my experiences. So, you know, kind of like switching up the different places where I find inspiration, you know, listening to different podcasts and um, seeing different movies and traveling to different places. Um, they've all given me the opportunity to be able to observe people and create from a space of, okay, this is something that can develop, this is something that can be created, and it can be fictionalized, or it can be, um, or it can be something that relates to someone who is totally not of my demographic at all. Um, and I think that that's a skill that basically I have honed, especially after working on something just like as dramatic as the show that sure. I just worked on, you know, because you really do, you have to remove um, yourself from the lives of the people that you're telling, you know, the, the stories of, of those people, right? So um, to me, that was something that was an amazing experience and something that I'm continuing to fine tune. I like that also that, that idea that you don't have to not write from your own truth or your own knowledge. It's get a bigger life. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like as like that. you know, the, the, like you said, you're, you're, you know, reading more and seeing more and, you know, experiencing more. Mm-hmm. And then your life reflects that, you know, and it's still about you. 
You know, I, I think that's great because I, there are a lot of people who go like, wait, no, I only write about myself. And it's like, okay, but you've only been, you've been a little bit insular in how you've seen life. Get a bigger life so you can write even, even more stuff. I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but <laughs> I have seen that uh, a little bit. Um, what about story with, with what you're learning? I right would now, actually, um, I would say for me, it's very similar to what Clarissa was talking about, especially coming from somebody who, you know, started out primarily wanting to be an actress. Um, when I first segued into writing, part of it was me being like, well, you know, I don't see a lot of roles for young African-American women that I feel like really relates to me where I really see myself in that role. And so I, I wanted, it started out as me wanting to write those roles for myself. And so I think in the beginning, and I'm just now kind of transitioning out of that, I think I always am trying to write something that I myself could star in, something that could be a vehicle for me. But the more time that I'm spending with Ramla and spending time with other writers, I am learning how important it is to be able to write from other people's perspectives and create other full characters. And that's something that I'm really focusing on right now is trying to create characters in my work that are not me and are not from my perspective. And I think that spending time in writers' rooms, both um, in Scandal and on Little Fires Everywhere, I do... I, I really have fallen in love with the idea of a television writer's room specifically because it is multiple voices coming together to share their experiences and differing perspectives, and together they will create a story. Which is a reason to have a writer's room. Right. A lot of times it, it, that doesn't always compute. Like, why? Why do you need... And it's sort of like, mm, because you've got a, a broad audience out there, and you're bringing all these experiences together, yeah. all these points of view, even though you're sort of homing in on one story or, or a bunch of characters. I have a, Okay, so I'm going to do this thing that is so annoying, like that people do in... in Interviews, job interviews. <clears throat> I would like you to project ahead to five years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'd love to it. know. Really? Yeah. Because I have to be honest with you. Even when people do this to me, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so five years from now, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years from now, I would have, I will have loved to have developed at least two or three television shows. Um, one of the things that I did. You know, because again, my background, of course, is in assisting. Um, and even though I was an assistant to entertainers and to, you know, uh, different industry influencers, being in the world of television was something that was entirely new for me and for my showrunner. She had never worked on a network television show before. Everything was like very indie film prior to that. So once I got in, I, I spoke with actually, the, I think she's the CVP, C, um, that's it, CVP, the senior vice president, SVP. Um, of development at Lifetime, Brie Bryant, and I asked her, I was like, well, what do you think, based off of what you have seen me do since I've been here, what world do you feel I should get into? And she said, you need to go into development. You know, she said it very, you know, off the top. And so as time has gone on, I realized, like, wow, I have all of these amazing ideas for different television shows. And so I would have loved to have developed a couple of different shows, reality, and also some scripted shows. I'm currently working on two pilots right now, and one of which I would love to be able to see in syndication five years from now. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really the dream, just to continue working and writing, being boots on the ground. 
and uh, yeah, just to evolve as a producer. Okay, I love that. Okay, and that was that was Clarissa. I just want to make sure everybody knows <laughs> who's talking for for producers who are listening. Um, okay. Mara, you said that you love this question. I do. Um, I specifically love this question because anyone, I guess maybe followers of your podcast wouldn't know, but I am, they call me like the queen of manifestation. Are you? There is nothing in my life that has not come to fruition. Um, I write everything. And I'm actually, hilariously, there's a, I did a project uh, recently with Yara in Paris and I wrote on the day I met them, not the first day, but the day I reconnected with them was in early 2018. And I was in Paris and I opened my journal and I have numerous, so I just grabbed one. And the last journal entry was the very first, the day I had reconnected with them, which was one year exactly from that day. And I was talking about the growth I would have with their family. Um, I had no idea. I literally just connected with them at a concert. I had no idea the capacity in which I would work with them, but I had just kind of spoke and manifested a beautiful collaborative experience in which my voice was appreciated um, and that I was given a lot of creative freedom. And I have kind of found like a dream career marriage at this moment in my life. I call them my fairly God family. Um, So five years from now, um, co-EPing across the board, actually with Yara across for a lot of projects, um, which will happen prior to five years, I will be transitioning probably out of working with their family um, and starting my own production company. I will have a family, one child, not not, <laughs> not multiple, but one child. You know, it's good to start one at a time. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I, yeah, five years, one child while managing my own production company. And at that time, I will have developed two, two shows. That's the two shows and one feature in five. I love it. So. I wish I, I had something to ask you to manifest for me. I'm Honestly, like, I'm the, literally, it's, it's crazy. I'm going to work on that. What I will tell everyone, I, I recommend it for any dreamer. I write thank you letters to whatever higher belief I believe in God. And I literally write a list and I say, thank you, God, at the type of, I do it every quarter almost. Um, and I don't write with asks. I write with things that are already completed. I thank in advance for things. So I'm just waiting for them to transpire. I don't believe in like, I don't have money. I'm like, oh, money is in transition to me. Everything I want is just in transition. I'm just waiting for it to arrive, but it's already in works. I've already spoken it. It's done. And really, if I just continue to do my work and continue just to put one foot in front of the other, I will run, I'll run into everything I've already spoken. So, and I, I break that down into one, three L. So everything I write, I say, I want it in one year. Well, it'll be done in one year, three years or a lifetime. Wow. And to this day, I usually look through the journal every like six months. I'm like, ah, got that car, got that place, got this, got that relationship. And, um, that's most people say they're like Mara, everything. Someone tweeted two days ago. They said everything Mara is doing right now. She said she would be doing five years ago. Oh my gosh. So I'm wow. chilling. I'm just, I'm excited for the next five years. In five years, I have a feeling I'm going to be right here in the seat. In this, in this <laughs> I mean, this studio. is not a bad this seat. Is not you a have, bad. A, I know. Great, this is a, great have seat. a great studio. Uh, it ain't a bad gig. I, Mara, I, if you want to go ahead and say that, you know, you've developed a show, which I am the star of, and we're all successful. You actually, you actually do meet a breakdown that <laughs> we are doing. There you go. Okay, love that. Okay. We'll hit you up about that after this. <laughs> so, Michelle, uh, in five years, Michelle Flowers, where do you think you're going to be? Definitely staffed, (laughs) not in an assistant capacity any longer. Um, I would love to be staffed on a show, but honestly, in five, because I would say I would love to be staffed within the next 
two. Right, years you're gonna to, be you're gonna be a what? A, what, 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 what will she be a story editor, co, co EP? Five like years that. before <laughs> five no. years. But, but, yeah, maybe co EP. Yeah, yeah I would say that. Five years. I would say that. I would say I would love to um, manifest more of um, my actor ambitions. I feel I feel very secure in in where my writing path is going. Um, in that, I feel like I've worked very hard and and made. Um, connections with people who are good people, good mentors, uh, people who want to see me succeed. And I'm very lucky in that respect. And so I'm hoping that obviously I have to bring my side to the table, but I'm hoping that if I, you know, write, write a couple good things that I will, uh, get staffed in the next couple of years. And then after that, before the five years, I would say, I would love to be back to performing more. I would love to have, uh, be starring in something that I've written myself. Good for you. Can I stop you guys really quickly? Yeah. I can tell you what's going on with you guys' manifestation. You guys Uh-oh. are saying, I <laughs> Manifestation? Would. No, you're saying, <laughs> you some, lessons. It's how some you're, lessons, yes. It's how you're using the words. I don't, I don't would, I wouldn't love to. I will. Like, it's just done. It's just done. I will. It's, I will be I will, starring. Like, but you excellent. know me. You know that I'm more of a writer than I am a speaker. Yeah. So, yeah, because we both have this manifestation thing going and I am, it, it, but it is, it is very true about being intentional and, and you know what it is that you will manifest. Yeah. Just making sure I think it's changing the language. I would like to do this. Okay. Well, a lot of people would like, but I think it's how you, how you phrase it. Okay. I'll take that. I will. Everybody. I will be starring in a series uh, that I wrote. I okay, love it. And, I'm, and you know, I'm showrunner. I'm star. I'm Issa Rae. I love yes. it. I'm Lena yes. <laughs> I, You know what? And I will be hearing about all of your success stories very soon. That I you know will. it. Um, <laughs> do you think maybe in a year we can, we can check in with you guys? I would, I would love that. Yeah. Look, both of us are like, yes, you can. <laughs> yes. No, you absolutely, absolutely. can. I'm, right. I'm, I literally am like, I can't wait to hear this in five years and be like, ha, did that. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Because I already know. Yes. Yes. Now, where can everybody, I mean, I, some of you, I mean, you're all sort of influencers, actually. So tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. You can follow me this is across everything at Mara Chance, M-A-U-R-A-C-H-A-N-Z. My website, my email is my name, my social. I've been into continuity and personal branding my whole life. So <laughs> I don't have any like nicknames. It's me everywhere. And, and Michelle, when they want to cast you, who, who, where, do you where do people go to check you out? Uh, you can check me out at Michelle Flowers underscore. That's my Instagram. I'm not really on Twitter. I feel like I should. You should as a writer. I should get on Twitter. I know that's what everyone says. They're like, writers need to be on Twitter. Yeah. So I need to get on that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I tweet, like, I tweet every day, but I only follow my family and Barack Obama. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I miss you, I do miss you. <laughs> Um, okay, and Clarissa. So I can be found on Twitter as Brown Skin Lady. That's B R O W N S K I N L A D Y underscore. And I actually just started a Patreon page yesterday, um, which is where I'm going to be putting more of my content as far as like excerpts from scripts and books and things that I'm writing. So, you know, if you want to support me there, it'll be $2.80 to be able to get little snippets of what it is that I'm working on if you want to option it. Excellent. Oh, I love that. Wow. <laughs> I would like to uh, riff off of that and say that I am actually stopping my Patreon page. Really? Um, I, it's, it, you know, it's been a delight to have people participating and contributing, and I so much appreciate it. But I want to concentrate on the online classes that I've been doing now, and I think I can offer more to a bigger community that way. So um, we're going to go back to having a little donation page on the actual 
uh, podcast page of the On The Page website, but even better would be take an online class. You know what I mean? Put your, I agree. Put your money in an investment to get you to be a better writer. So I would love for people to support themselves and support the podcast that way. Go to onthepage.tv, check it out. And also, if you're in L.A., come to the in-person classes. Clarissa and Mara and Michelle were just in one. No Amazing better investment. Yeah, I agree. Definitely worth it. It was such a great, great experience. Thank you, guys. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for thank having, you for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening and have a good writing week.